everybody listening out there is you never know when you're crushing defeat might just be giving life to somebody else yeah there you go it's like the, <laughs> it's like the circle of life yeah. in in tennis yeah one circle one dies the other one lives yes <laughs> Welcome to the Shankcast. Today's our introductory episode. Alongside me here is Kevin and Megan. What's up, guys? Hey, Hello guys. There. How's it going? Kevin's got his <laughs> podcast voice on. I'm working that podcast voice. How you like it, guys? Give me, give me some sort of shout out. Megan, have you found your podcast voice yet? No, I just realized that Kevin's is really weird. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how long he keeps that up. So... This is just a, a quick. Accepted. This is just a quick introduction. This is not a normal uh, episode. We just kind of want to let you guys know what our vision is for the show, uh, what our goals are, what we have in mind for the content, and who we're really making this for, and why. And then we'll share a couple personal stories about our encore experiences to help you get to know us a little bit better. And I think we'll get to know each other a little bit better too. I'm guessing the, the stories we'll throw out there are probably new, at least some of them. Yeah, I'm for sure. like throwing out stories that Megan's never heard and she'll go, I've he just known makes you them up. for all your life and I've never heard that story. I literally now said that have. five minutes ago this morning before we walked in here, just so we're clear. <laughs> gotta keep her on her toes. You got a lot, a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot, a long time uh, left, Megan, to learn about Kevin. Uh-huh. All right, so vision for the show, and I will kind of go around the horn here and talk about because this is we totally, you know, just like everything else at Essential Tennis, we're making this up as we go, and so this is open. This is a totally organic, like open thing. I want to leave it open to the audience, if anybody listens, to <laughs> that one person that's listening. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I want to leave it open to Kevin and Megan as well, like whatever direction we want to go to. But we definitely have a very uh, clear picture in mind starting off. And that'll become really apparent in episode number one, which is this is, again, just a quick introduction. First and foremost, we want to make this show entertaining. We make a crap load of content weekly that's very, very like focused on outcome like we want you to get better we want you to learn we want you to increase in knowledge x's and o's baby and understanding of the game he's just like the hype yeah although like negative hype man he's right like yeah pulling it back yeah mm-hmm. pulling it back oh just wait <laughs> so this is going to be the opposite of that this is going to be us basically doing what we do every day normally mm-hmm. which is argue about different topics argue is maybe the wrong word we like to have spirited <laughs> spirited conversations <laughs> about different tennis <laughs> topics and i'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to this i think a core like element of our relationship <laughs> like the three of us which is kind of <laughs> awkward is there's like a there's like a base of respect and disagreement. <laughs> yeah, we all come from things that at three different complete totally. angles. Really, what they're trying to say is, I'm different from both of them. No, Ian and I are very different, and we come Actually, at I things very differently too. Think you guys are more too. similar than yeah. You guys is weird. You guys have some 
interesting similarities in a lot of things that I've noticed. Like your quirks about details, like in, I won't call out any names, but he saw this thing and literally he could not move past this certain picture because the, the elements of the picture didn't rhyme with what he thought. I Megan, is the same, yeah, Megan was, a, was like the same way. Like I'll, I'll, she'll say something or see something. She's like, I cannot watch this because that person missed the comma. Mm-hmm. Like, very, and, and like for me, it's like, like a video, though, video written, whatever. Grammar. It's like whatever little quirk is like, I can't watch that because she said this whole thing. And I'm like, but the intent, the, the concept is like, but I can't, I just can't. So I think there's some similarities there. Yeah. And that's, I think basically me, not to get into like, we're going to talk about tennis in a second, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's like me and Megan's like most, the most friction comes from the fact that we're both like really <laughs> obsessive compulsive mm-hmm. about yeah. mm-hmm. about different uh, right. things yeah. and yeah that tends to and so to, they butt up yeah our Sometimes, personalities yeah, yeah, are, pretty, yeah. are pretty different and Kevin's just weird so he's like yeah. an outlier so anyway <laughs> we have like a, I, I think a pretty especially like in the tennis world like there's so much there's so much like backstabbing and, and talking behind people's backs mm-hmm. and, and maybe you guys do that about me all the time but it, as far as I know like Jeans we, we Oh, can we? I was gonna say, what are we on the language barrier here? Yeah, what did we do? Mm-hmm. Are we gonna we just try to go? Yeah, uh, we're going G. rated G. G. Okay, cool. Oh. So we're gonna attempt. To Ian's a good guy. <laughs> How about that? Backstab anyway, with we with love. At, we I think we've struck a pretty good balance, which I think is very difficult in a in a professional setting where we can strongly disagree <laughs> on things, but still respect each other's opinions, at least a little bit. Most of the time. And so I, to me, that's the core of this show is the ability to openly just totally like disagree about things relevant to tennis players around the world. Like when they step out on the court, they're going to understand what we're talking about. But it's not going to be like your average, like, oh, we all work together, so we need to be careful and not like hurt each other's feelings. Like my, my like goal for this is we actually – Say what we're thinking. I'm smiling right now, both inside <laughs> and outside. Yeah, I think That's, it's just like every day what we what we do on a regular basis. I think we're all very opinionated, anyways. Yeah, and so, and especially when it comes to tennis and from our experiences and and um, how that shapes the way that we look at. That's the thing. We all have tennis. Like a, Somebody's knocking on the wall. We all have a pretty deep experience and understanding around the game. And so if we're totally actually honest and candid and we bring that to the table and talk about like the underhand serve, I think it's going to be a really good format. Which I'm so excited about, (laughs) just FYI. The real question is always, I think it's going to be like who which side of the topic is going to be the two coaches and which side of the topic is going to be yeah. the one coach. Cause it's very rare that we all are in alignment, like on the same, on the same thing. Yeah. When we are, it's kind of weird. I'm Unless not going to lie. Unless you hit a drop shot when you're supposed to hit an inside oh, out beforehand. But that's a whole nother started. story. Yeah. So, uh, that's kind of one element. Uh, the other one was entertaining. Like it's not going to be instructionally based, but I do see it being helpful in the sense that, I think when players hear us just talk through the underhand serve, for example, I think it would be helpful from the standpoint of hearing other perspectives and maybe perspectives of people that have been around the game for a long time at high levels and low levels and everything in between and have done it professionally. 
And so I think hearing those perspectives, I think for a lot of amateur players could potentially be really helpful to maybe sort out in their own mind how they feel about X, Y, or, or Z. Yeah, it's not going to be like, this is how you hit a forehand or right, this is, one. yeah, this is the strategy you use in this search, certain situation or something like that. It's going to be very abstract in that sense, I think. But super helpful, I think, too, amateur players in yeah. the sense of really knowing what your coaches are thinking out there as well as... You may as, not really want to know. <laughs> yeah. As well as, like, trying to figure out what kind of coach, like, you want to surround yourself with because... And what kind of tennis players and tennis friends and all kinds of stuff that you want to surround yourself with to really increase your level of play. Definitely. And finally, what do you think, Kevin? Totally. No, I think I'm just going to crack jokes and like stir things up all the time. I do. And so anyway. one of us says something you disagree with, and then it's yeah, going to be all serious. Yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. Then <laughs> exactly. we're going we're gonna to turn up that dial. <clears throat> all right. And then lastly, the last thing that I, I really see as being a differentiator with this show, there's a lot of great tennis podcasts that are already out there, but most of them are either instructionally based, like the Essential Tennis Podcast, or they're pro game focused and it's like tour focused mm -hmm. and we don't have time for that uh we don't have time to watch tennis or at least i, I shouldn't speak yeah. for you guys no we don't we are either on a tennis court creating content or we're on a tennis court coaching a student or we're in the office publishing and promoting and taking care of customers and et cetera et cetera and we don't watch a lot of tennis. So I don't have time, like, for it to be, like, a real, like... You'd have to pro, do the back work, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You've got to put in the time of knowing, like, what is the context of everything that's going on. And I don't think any of the three of us are... It would be fun, but not, I don't think any of us have a big, like, strong desire to actually be in the know about professional tennis. Plus, I just think it's a unique to, thing. To be clear, we we have a general sense of, like, what's going on, but right, right, right. We, yeah. we can't speak, like, in an educated way about what this means about the next tournament and the, the last yeah. time these two play at XYZ. Right. Sorry. And the points associated yeah, and totally. all of that kind of stuff. It's yeah. more big picture stuff. Right. I think. But I think it's really, that's what makes this unique is that it isn't about pro tennis. Like mm -hmm. a lot of the other podcasts out there are just about pro tennis or, or they're about very, very focused, like essential tennis podcasts, like very focused on improvement and that yep. kind of thing. So this kind of walks the middle ground um, between all of the people who are actually listening. And that's the level that we're actually speaking about. What do you think, Kevin? <laughs> I agree. I think it's just a different take on. Yes, I did say I agree. It's a different take on. Um, kind of mixing and matching our own experiences and how we see things versus maybe taking the outside uh, look at the, the, the world of ATP tour and WTA tour tennis and uh, adding our own flavor to that. You should do voiceover on Fiverr. <laughs> really? Dude, yeah. I love Fiverr. Just as a side <laughs> note. They're not sponsoring us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but they got the free plug. <laughs> All right, so now let's get to the sharing. 
So, so I, I just thought it'd be nice to, for those of you, that's the end of like what to expect and kind of our vision for the show. We'll see what happens. Like who knows? We literally just came up with this idea like two weeks ago and now we're sitting down and doing it. So uh, we'll see how or if uh, this evolves in any particular direction. But th those are our plans for how we'd like this to go. Episode one is going to be next week. And we are going to talk about the underhand serve. Super excited. <laughs> Pros and cons. Uh, I have very not, strong feelings about the underhand serve. Is just it so dirty or not dirty? Is it mm. disrespectful or not disrespectful? And I'm in 100% agreeance that... Um, Kevin's going to disagree a hundred percent with what I have to say. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. This could also turn into this. This is, could be example of marriage counseling too. Mm. Mm. Nice fringe benefit. You know, yeah. you guys get to, to work it out and Ian's basically hoping that we get no, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to let these guys roll. Mm. Uh, but for right now, I thought for those of you still listening, thank you, mom. <laughs> It might be nice to share a little bit about ourselves and our past as players and coaches. And I totally left this open to Kevin and Megan. I, I suggested that when Allison and I go out on a date night and, or just in general, when we're like sitting down and we, we're both having a hard time starting conversation because we're both super introverted and awkward. So like a go-to that we use is highs and lows. Like what were your high, what was the highest point of your day? That's so funny. What is the lowest point of your day? And it pretty much always kicks off a good conversation about something. Hmm. So we've never done that. Yeah. We've never done that. We just talk over each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alice and I sit down for five minutes and just kind of like side eye each other. And, and then it's interesting. Later, one of us has it's to like the, the opposite of our date night too. We yeah. just, we just, continually talk and talk over each other and then get angry at each other for talking over each other. It's, a, it's pretty much battle. exactly every battle. date night. Yeah. Which is interesting <laughs> because Megan's very extroverted and I'm actually pretty introverted. I have this weird yes, switch but, of yeah. introvert extroversion where I introvertedly need to recharge, but I can be very extroverted. I think it's just, um, being in the tennis industry, being in like the different positions I've had to be in, being like leaders of groups, kids, I've had to learn to be very vocal. You have to, yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't take charge. Yeah. Without. And I'm kind of also extreme where it's like I've become vocal, but like extremely vocal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you heard that. So mm -hmm. highs and lows is going to be of our tennis. I told them the tennis career. Tennis career. Wow, that's it could be as a player. Both mine are as a player. I have a hard time thinking. I mean, I could do specific coaching highs and lows, but if I'm going to go macro tennis highs and lows, they're definitely both as a player. But I, I told them it could be as a coach, could be as a player. We're looking for like the highest high and the lowest low. I have two that definitely right. like shaped my entire tennis career. Kick us off. Um, Let's go around and do how about highs first and okay. then we'll do... Or should we start with lows? I think we should start with lows. Start with lows, yeah. right? Finish on the highs? Yeah, yeah. So people keep listening. They don't, <laughs> so they're not like, meh, lows. Um, so a high for me, I think, was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, sorry. My bad. Okay. Lows. So, sorry, I have to change my brain. So probably one of the biggest lows in my career of playing, which was not very long since I got hurt, if you didn't know. Um, but 
was when I was playing this tournament, I'm from Wichita, Kansas. And so we played this tournament where everyone went and played it because the trophies were like as big as you were. They were, they were literally popular because of the trophies. Yep. (laughs) Nice. Um, they were, the trophies were like four feet tall. They were, I mean, massive. And, um, so it was like the one tournament in Wichita that all of us played that were actually played, you know, all around the United States. And so I had a friend, a f- friend enemy, who, um, friend of me, me. Friend of me. <laughs> yeah. um, who we competed in everything. We both played basketball. We both played tennis. We both played the saxophone. Like we competed in everything that we did. And this was about sixth grade or so I'm thinking. Um, and we came up and we played in the tournament and I can't remember what, uh, like where it was in the tournament exactly. But I had won the first set and I was up in the second, like four, maybe four, one, a substantial amount. And we went over to the sidelines and she started talking to me and started like, Oh, so what are you going to do after the match? Blah, 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 blah. All this kinds of stuff came out. And so I started talking, which we don't normally do. And Kevin's like smiling because he sees where this is going. Warfare. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden I just like could not focus and I started losing and I lost the second set and I lost the tie break. And I vowed like after that match, I was so mad at her first off, but I vowed that I would never allow someone to get into my head just by talking that Kevin gets in my head every day. Yeah. Um, but from that point on, I always set my stuff on the opposite side of the court of my opponent. That's a good play. Um, and all the way through my teaching, I told all my students to always set their stuff across and told them that story. And I think it really pissed me off enough to make me mentally tougher as well as um, it showed me that you can really just, the tides can turn in five seconds. So if you're playing thing. Megan, just follow around the court and yeah. talk to her. So how you doing, Megan? Yeah, exactly. That 100%, like that just, it just threw me off more than anything had ever done before. And it really shaped my mental thought process from there on. And even, yeah, like I said, all the way through my coaching to this day, like I tell people, don't, don't put your stuff on the same side. You want to give her a shout out? Amanda no. Cervantes. Oh, <laughs> She's sitting somewhere uh, yeah. smiling. Yeah. She's she's like, she coaches right. tennis. She coaches she? tennis. Oh. Yeah. Her and, whole and she coaches all of her players to go on the same yeah, side. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She losing, would crack up if she was listening to this. Yeah. To your opponents. <laughs> Follow them to the other yeah. side of the net. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. Mm-hmm. I would totally tell my kids to do that. <laughs> yeah. You would. hundred percent. So yeah. So that was probably my biggest like low of playing that really shaped my tennis thought process. Kevin, you're me. That was my. Um, I'll go. It's interesting because I, I was thinking about lows as a player, and you know I've had losses and I've I've gotten mad over the years, um, but they've always kind of encouraged me to. I'm one of these again weird. Megan, I'll tell you, I have these weird quirks, but they've always encouraged me to like. I get super, super mad, 
throw in my bag, be totally mad, but then go out and like go run five miles or go like uh, do something. So for me, the, the lowest time in my career was actually when I stopped or realized I was about to stop playing. So um, I had the fortunate opportunity of playing um, high school tennis, division one tennis, um, and then some low level professional. But I think one of the lowest points for me was transitioning out of like being a player to kind of like civilian life in the sense <laughs> of like your my identity was caught up into being a tennis player. Like everything I did was about tennis. Like I worked out for tennis. I trained for tennis. I ate and slept for tennis. And so getting out of that was actually a little depressing in a sense of there's a certain, um, I almost want to call it like players high in a sense of competition mm -hmm. and feeling when you get out of that, that you cannot find that sense of like individual, uh, individualism, competition, um, this sense of pushing yourself uh, within like just the normal world. And so that was always like a huge like depression point, I would say for me, like stopping playing uh, like competitively, yeah, you can go out and play a tournament, but it's different when you're like training for it, you're leading up to it, everything around your life is focused around it, and then having to kind of like wonder like, I'm going to coach, and I feel like the, one of the biggest difference between a coach and a player is that a player can be totally selfish, and it's totally fine, and a coach has to be totally selfless, and I think that was the transition of like, um, trying to find something outside of either tennis that brought those same feelings of competition and um, just constantly pushing, that constant push. And so I probably spent probably a year and a half, two years kind of in this weird, not like I'm depressed, but like, like lost, um, transitioning out of like competing to like not competing and like to going to work and having to figure out how do you compete at work? Like you don't walk in the office and like, you know, put the smack down on somebody. We competed, just so you could. <laughs> we did compete. So I, I turned to a lot of those inner angst uh, of lack of being able to compete into different competitions. Like we'd have these uh, courts where we would uh, feed balls to kids and we'd hit cones. And did I you come right off of your uh, playing effort to Tucker or did you have something else before then? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Because I was doing that in between, like using that to, to fund my, my tennis. Okay. He taught then, at another club before there. Okay. Before what? Before we taught at Tucker Tennis. Just wondering what you timeline was there. You taught at Indian Springs. I taught at Tucker first and then... Oh, I taught, Indian yeah, Springs? I taught, taught, I, I taught at Indian Springs, but then... Uh, I taught at Tucker and then left. Right. And then came back and taught there again. Yeah. 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 So um, I think that was kind of like the, a weird, dark, my lowest moment of kind of like, like one day hanging it up and saying, I'm not a player. Um, that was like at least a two year long struggle of like realizing how it's so easy to get your identity tied up into something. And then when that something's not there, realizing like, um, that so much of your your existence, your being is tied up into what you were doing instead of, um, you know, now it's totally different, um, understanding that. So it's kind of a, both, a, again, for me, we're looking back, a nice realization, but going through it, kind of a dark, 
dark time as a tennis player to like, like not associate myself as a player. Mm-hmm. Did you see that coming? No, I feel like I need to process that. Uh, but I'll, I'll go into mine. That was good. That was a good one. Um, yeah. So, uh, sorry. My brain is <laughs> uh, just thinking about that. Um, so yeah, for me, my definitely my most like depressed, like lowest state was first of all, just a little, just a, I'll try to make this as short as possible. Just a little bit of context. I, I came from a family that didn't have a lot of money. Uh, I paid for a lot of my own lessons. And so I never did like the high performance thing. And I didn't really know how bad I was until, or okay, how good I was until uh, like a couple years after college. Uh, I didn't really have the perspective of like, oh, this guy I played with, like went and tried to do challengers and got his ass handed to him. And he was way stronger than me. And I didn't have that like uh, perspective until after college. So for me, I always had this like kind of emotional, like chip on my shoulder, like, like what if, you know, my, my family did have money and I could have like maybe made it and been a prefer- like in the back of my mind, I wanted to be a professional like tennis player, but I didn't really know like what that meant until much later. And so, um, I played high school tennis just two years, junior, senior year. I was homeschooled up until my junior year. And I knew my junior year where I wanted to go to college. And since I knew at that point, like, okay, I'm not going to like make it on the pro tour. College tennis was like my fixation. Like if I could make the team where I wanted to go, which was like top 20 division two NCAA, I went and watched them train like my junior year, my senior year of high school, I went and visited Ferris and they were like gods to me. Like they were, you know, ranked nationally in division two individually and uh, as a team. So like unbelievably talented um, and skilled players. And the idea of maybe somehow walking on that team was like my ultimate like fixation and, and goal in life. And I trained myself hard um, the summer going into freshman year and then freshman year. And the way that the team filled the bottom two spots, uh, the first like Five spots on the team out of eight players were recruited players, scholarship players. Uh, the sixth player was not a scholarship player. Um, and then there was like usually a seven and eight like reserve, you know, player that was just kind of a bench, you know, warmer, maybe alternate. And the way that they filled those spots was they called it the walk on tournament. And so every fall, there would be anybody could enter the tournament and essentially. If you won, if you won the tournament, like you made the team, like you're on the team. So that was like oh, my, my thing. If you lost, like then you can try again next year. And so, uh, there really wasn't like a tryout, um, you know, format. You just played the walk on tournament and, uh, I lost it my first year to in the semifinals to the guy who made the team. Um, but he was a lot older than me. He was just stronger, more athletic than me. So I was okay with that loss and watching the team, you know, my freshman year. Meanwhile, like I trained like on my own, like every day and hit with everybody who had hit with me. But then my sophomore year, like I knew, I knew the field, like I knew who was going to be playing and I didn't like expect to win, but knew that, you know, I was definitely one of the players that had the opportunity. And I played again, one, I don't remember, two, three matches, enough to get up to the semifinals. 
and then played Dan Wilming. And Dan Wilming was like 6'6", super lanky. And in the years since this match has like told me that it was the best match he ever played in his life. (laughs) (laughs) He just treated out of his mind, like the, the whole match. And I don't even remember what the scores were. I don't, uh, I don't remember any specifics about the match really. Um, but it absolutely, absolutely just devastated me to lose that match. Uh, he went to the finals and then lost to the guy who, who made the team. Um, and it really, it, it really just crushed me because it was kind of like the, it felt to me like my whole tennis, you know, like your peak moment, right? Mm-hmm. This is like my opportunity. This is my chance. Mm-hmm. And to lose to somebody that I wasn't supposed to, to lose to, uh, was, was really, uh, hard for me. Uh, I ended up walking on the team later, the, uh, at the end of that, uh, fall semester, which was, um, not my high, but easily it's in my top five probably. So I got, I ended up getting on the team, but that loss was, was super difficult for me mm. emotionally. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> all right. How about some highs? Yeah. It's like, everybody's like, <laughs> we're all down now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Megan, we'll go, go in circle again. Um, okay. So, Probably one of my biggest highs was, I mean, I had, I had a lot of highs actually that I really enjoyed. I'm sorry, real quick. Definitely no disrespect to Dan. Like, (laughs) like, um, again, like he later, like years later told me he was like playing out of his mind. Like he had, he was good athlete, has good skills. Um, but I was supposed to win that match. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, Dan, if you're listening, no disrespect, (laughs) but I was supposed to win. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I mean, I had a lot of highs that I remember playing a lot of really cool things. I think tennis, um, lets you do a lot of really neat things, travel the world and do a lot of cool things as a player. But one of my biggest memories of really, really being so excited was probably the first time that I ever had a high in tennis. And I was like, I don't know, probably 11, 10 or 11. And so my parents who both played at a high level, taught at a high level, um, said, okay, you can play in this tournament and I had never entered into a tournament in my entire life. And I pretty much had not really done a lot of tennis. And, but for some reason I really believed I was going to win the tournament. Um, (laughs) just cause that's my personality and it's all or nothing. And so I entered and I played this girl, um, Marissa, who we know well. Um, and she, beat the living tar out of me. Um, like I pretty sure it was like first round, first, first match. And I pretty sure it was over in like 20 minutes and I lost really, really dramatically. And I was really upset. Number one, because I lost and I really thought I was good enough to win. I don't know why. Cause I definitely wasn't. Um, but 
Also, my parents, I played with like a metal racket that was warped and I wasn't allowed to play with a racket that was actually decent. It's like one of those aluminum like Kmart, yes. like Kmart yes. specials. Yes, 100%. Dude, that yes. was my first racket. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and I wasn't allowed to play with a good racket until I won a tournament. Like my parents were like, you have to win a tournament until we'll buy you a racket. And so I was really angry <laughs> that I wasn't going to get a racket. Um, and then I was going to have to play with this warped, like, aluminum racket still. Granted, I'm pretty sure that they got me a racket anyways. But um, but anyway, so I trained really hard and, like, begged my parents to take more lessons. And I would hang out at the club that I um, played at from, like, 7 a.m. until, like, my parents would pick me up at 7 p.m. and just ask anyone and everyone to hit. And my whole goal in life was to go back and play and actually win. And I played Marissa again in the same tournament the next year and I won and I that was like probably the biggest high so you're you're 12 I was probably yeah I was probably like I was either 11 or 12 like I was younger and she's she's a little bit older than me like a couple years older than me and so um yeah it was and she's heard me tell this story a few times so like, oh, yeah yeah she but um but it was like the one like really high moment for me because i think it was like and i think i lost like every match after that i don't even remember but i remember that it like showed me that if i trained hard and i worked hard that even though something didn't go well the next time around it could go well and so it really geared me to train and I really pushed my parents who definitely wanted me to play basketball just FYI I don't think anyone really knows that but they all wanted me to play basketball and not tennis and so I really really begged to play tennis and to train more and to quit basketball at that time and and changed a lot of things to gear tennis as my goal and I think that particular match was one of the things that really changed my thought process there about it for me so thank you marissa yes years oh. later she and i played on a <laughs> five like a five five like team together in uh kansas city we both showed up didn't know and then all of a sudden i was like oh my god and then we still talk to this day shout out to marissa it's kind yeah. of an interesting we, perspective we everybody listening out there so you never know when you're crushing defeat might just be giving life to somebody else yeah there you go it's like the, <laughs> it's like the circle of life yeah. in in tennis yeah one it's the circle one dies the other one lives yes mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yeah and i'm pretty sure like our match that i won was like probably you know two tie breaks or something like super super close um i don't even remember the score but I do remember the score of the first time we played, which was definitely 0-0 in funny? five yeah. seconds. You never forget those O and O's, or yeah. you do. So, so yeah, that was probably my very first high in tennis, and why it's so memorable. And then you were hooked. And then I was hooked. And then you were hooked. <laughs> never forget your first high. Okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. Well, let's talk about my first high. Um, G-rated. Of, G-rated. Yeah. yeah tennis yeah. I'm talking about tennis high, guys. Where is your mind? Um, I would say preferences because um, kind of what Ian said I think relates to me. I started playing tennis at 13. I didn't play my first tournament until I was 15. Um, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so I pretty much paid for my tennis lessons through mowing grass. And so for me, 
every part of my tennis career, even though I had some ups and downs, was a high because um, <laughs> um, I got, like my coach told me at probably like 14, it's like, you know, you could go play college and they'll pay for it. And I was like, what? I was, I mean, it was, college wasn't even on the radar. So it was like the fact that I could actually, so I like just started training hard. You mean college tennis or college period? College tennis was on our radar. College, like how to pay for college was not on the radar. So it was like, oh, I'll go to a community college and kind of work or do something. I don't even know. It was just weird. It was like, literally it wasn't even on the radar. Um, so to kind of like start at 13, play my first tournament at 15, um, and scrape by, get into a, a lower NAI school for the first like two and a half years, then go to a division one school, uh, win our conference twice, play NCAA tournament, play against Stanford, uh, USC the year they won it, go past that, um, had some cool opportunities to play in like futures, a challengers tournament where um, I got in and James Blake didn't somehow, but we won't snap. go there. Yeah. James, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but shout out to James Blake. Yeah. Yeah. Like James Blake, if you're listening. Yeah, they 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 screwed something up. We, and I got we lucky. made it. If you're listening, um, so I played that. Um, actually, that was a tournament where I was walking around and I was so nervous. I had no one to warm up with, and uh, um, Murphy Jensen shows up, like and taps me on the shoulders. And Murphy Jensen, if you don't know, is a giant. He's an absolute, like probably six foot six like giant and he goes hey buddy you want to warm up and i'm like this guy's won a french open like grand slam and he wants to warm up with me which i had no business being there at all so we hit and he was probably like dude what are you doing here and then our funny story is like murphy like i i don't have a collared shirt dude can i borrow a collared shirt from you and it's like buddy i'd let you borrow a collared shirt but it's it's huge and totally let me borrow a shirt to play this challenger that I had no business being there. Years later, we saw, uh, years later, we saw uh, Murphy and, uh, um, audio podcast. Yeah. <laughs> years later, we saw Murphy in, uh, Austin, Texas. Yeah, uh, and I, I reminded, he's like, dude, I won that tournament. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, dude, that was the greatest warm-up ever. I won the tournament. Nice. And so... Yeah, we um, saw him at a random <laughs> restaurant, and he went up and told him the story. Yeah, and so for me, and then I, I played, like, some semi-professional and Spanish nationals in Spain. Um, so my whole, like, career has been, like, a high because, like, yeah, I, I think I had the same instance with Ian in the sense that I, I was, like, in the back of my head, you wanted to be a pro, but then you started putting two and two together when you showed up at certain tournaments, and you're like these guys are way better than me and they're losing in the first and second round. And they're like, like NCAA top 20 guys. Um, I think I, in, when I was in Spain, I met a guy um, who just got to the finals of N the NCAA tournament. And we just like talked, he was from Germany and he was, I mean, he went a couple rounds, but just couldn't get through. So, but um, rounding out, I think the biggest high was as a coach, like getting players or getting a, a player I worked with to get really close to winning a national title a couple of times. And that, that road of seeing the hard work you put in and seeing that like come to fruition. And um, for me, I think the biggest thing was it was always this kind of like thing in the back of my head because I'd never played at that level as a junior. I just never had the opportunity to travel to different states and or like I could go to a neighboring state, but I couldn't travel like cross country every week. Just like couldn't afford it. Like literally what 
some parents were paying for me to take their kid to one tournament is what I was like surviving off of two months in Spain or like that would be my entire like year of paying for tennis. And so to be able to train a kid to get to that level when I couldn't do it was probably, I would say, my biggest high of like watching them succeed. Bad ow. KG up. Drop the podcast mic in your mind. Please don't drop it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first, first time using First that. episode and we're down. <laughs> All right. So uh, final high. Uh, for me, it was definitely competitive. So yeah, you, that was the only coaching you and I didn't have any coaching. It's kind of, because I'm pretty sure you said no coaching. No, you he said, said coaching. Player. I said the, the opposite. Oh, you said coaching experience? Okay, so I'm just going to throw this in here. Oh, this I thought is you recorded. Said experience. That's easy. That's easy one. Oh, okay. Just gonna leave that alone. Good job. <laughs> I'm gonna back First away from that one. First now. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead again. Oh, I thought you had. I honestly thought you said playing. Yeah. So I, I specifically did not use coaching experience because I well, thought you said playing. You can listen to the episode later. I love it. Yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna so say anyway. anything here. I was talking about the text. Uh, you can open that too. I will. <laughs> you want to look at it? You want to look at it right now? Yeah, I know. Yeah, See, be, you know, this, this would be great. This would be yeah. great. Audio. This is the time when I get to sit back and um, realize for that, that it wasn't me. For the last part, I'd like each of us to share a tennis highs and lows. <laughs> what is the highest high you've ever had in tennis, and what is the lowest low? I think as a player, it would probably be best, but it could be coaching experience oh. as well. That's why I went with could be a player would be best. <laughs> My lips are I curling. I thought that was your underlying saying of your... Of just like Loki, do playing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Alice, somewhere right now, Allison is listening and laughing really yes, hard. Yes, yes. Allison's my wife, by the way. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Hi for me is... I've done a whole podcast episode on this, by the way. I'm not going to go that super... That was a full plug. ...in-depth, Yeah. Today's sponsor is the Essential Tennis Podcast. (laughs) Subscribe on iTunes. (laughs) Uh, Episode 303 of uh, the podcast. I talked about this, and it was was a doubles uh, tournament. I, the second year I played at Ferris, I I played number six singles and number three doubles my whole uh, college career, two two and a half seasons. And, my junior year of college, we recruited a guy from Oregon who was going to play like number one or number two. Uh, he ended up playing number two and he played one doubles with our strongest player. And it turned out he had some eligibility, like some NCAA like paperwork issues. And so he was ineligible to play the um, individual NCAAs in the fall, like the regional and national tournament for doubles um so instead of breaking up our number two team our coach decided to put me in with our strongest player to play the ncaa regionals and we went in unseated which normally they would have been number one or number two seed uh one or the other uh my freshman year no my sophomore year this my partner went to and won uh, D2 NCAA Nationals with a, with a different player. So this, is, so this is a guy that like 
as far as NCAA is concerned, is like expected to win regionals and definitely you go to nationals by winning the regional uh, tournament. So he got put with me and we go in totally unseated because it's me. And I proceeded to play completely out of my mind for, for two days straight. Um, and I, I learned a, a ton about myself and tennis and doubles. Um, Jason, my, my partner was like incredible. Uh, he was like just the perfect partner in terms of unconditional, like emotional, you know, support. And, uh, he was exactly like what I needed. And he, he got, he got me to like a peak, like state of performance, like very quickly and like kept me there. And we, we actually just recently had a phone conversation about, um, this because he didn't know I did this podcast episode and he listened to it like a month or two ago. And he told me like, dude, you like carried me. Apparently he had a really bad weekend, which I had no memory of. It's kind of fun. It's kind of like me and you, when we played Scott and I was like, Oh, everything's great. And I'm like, I'm but playing the Kevin's worst. Happy, like, the worst. Yeah. Kevin's playing like literally like the worst like match of his entire life. Uh, doubles match. Um, same kind of thing. Like I was just like, so like in the zone, I didn't even realize that Jason was playing poorly. Um, and I've only really experienced that state like a couple of times and we beat two seated players, uh, seated teams, uh, made it to the finals, and against the number one seed, uh, it was their eight-game pro sets, uh, which is brutal. One break of serve, which is which is my serve. We could talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> one break of serve, we lost uh, eight six in the final. Uh, you know, had we found uh, figured out a way to go to a tie break, maybe we would have like gone to NCAA nationals, but that was by far the best, like co competitively I ever played in my life. And, uh, I learned a tremendous amount, uh, those two days. So for me personally, that was just like the peak, like st I, I'd love to, I'd love to, I don't know about you guys. I'd love to go back to competitive tennis I met like you were saying before, like yesterday we played a couple of baseline games nah. and there's just nothing. FYI, there was more throwing rackets <laughs> and throwing tantrums than there was hitting tennis balls. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, there, I agree. I agree. Like I've, I'll compete at anything. There's something special about, about tennis and like the intensity and like the, uh, it's like mental, like blood sport. Like when you're, when you and somebody else who's at that like no. level of competitiveness is on the same court and you're trying to beat each other, it's like, it's a beautiful thing. There's no like grunt or comment or like self-talk or like nothing like is unintentional. Like it's all like everything <laughs> is like, uh, there's a purpose, like a reason behind everything. And I, I just love that psychological like, uh, warfare and, uh, the best I ever like managed it was that weekend, and in the future I'd love to I'd love to do that again. Like I'd I'd love to compete again as an adult in in uh, age group competition or whatever. Anyway, so many interesting dynamic idea. things about your story. I felt I almost felt like there was a love story in there for a second because you what like, me and Jason. Yeah, it's because like you were like Jason we were was sweet a, mates. Yeah, it was like <laughs> Jason was the perfect support. No, he's really unconditional. Was. Just the way you said it was. It was. It was. It'd be fascinating to hear Jason's perspective on it because he knows how I quit college tennis my uh -huh. senior year because I drove myself absolutely, you know, insane. Like 
insane. And he know, he knows like he knows me probably better than anybody. Huh. Uh, like psychologically. <laughs> Cuz he's seen like both like ends of the I mean low low lows and high right. high highs. It'd be actually be fascinating to hear his um, comments about it. Yeah, it was always- super interesting playing doubles with you. Because it was like seeing you, because give a context, Ian just finished playing a singles match and I got a chance to coach him. So it was like seeing how almost like, I want to say you were like hyper and I'm like, dude, for sure, you, you got to calm down. You just got to like get work your way. And you're just like, ah, <laughs> for sure. like easy buddy. And then we I was just so excited. To, yeah. You're just so excited. I'm like, you, okay. And then we go into doubles and it's like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, okay, this could work now. And then, like, yeah, like you're saying, it's like, I was like, God, I am playing God awful. Like, I played, for me, I was just like, this is, other than my serve, which was, like, the only thing. Like, I had one good volley the entire match, which was literally in the first game. And that was probably a good thing because they were like, oh, God, this guy's coming out. Oh, totally. Yeah, they it was, like, a great that. point where it was, like, <laughs> yeah. Scott's firing balls at me, and I'm just reacting, and he fires when I hit it for a winner. I'm like, come on. And then after that, <laughs> it was, like, the second point of the yeah. match. <laughs> after that, literally, there's a ball where Kevin, I'm like, too... closed on a high ball and, <laughs> like, hit a winner. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And, like, everybody was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, I proceeded to be two feet away from the net and... Uh, <laughs> Fence and overhead that was probably like two feet above my head. Not multiple it, times. It didn't go in first. It went directly over the fence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Good. Just to good make distinction. That yeah. distinction there. Yeah, good distinction. But yeah, it was interesting. And you're like, dude, you're you're, you're playing like we're good. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, I haven't. Totally. I, I don't think I made a return until like maybe like. I think I made one return when I started. Like there was this moment where I I had a um, uh, what's it called? What's the movie? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, like moment where I was like, I have yeah. to, like, yeah, like, I was trying to put myself up so much. I was like, I have to make at least one return this game. And it was a shank out wide. And I was so happy. Wouldn't yeah. it be interesting to hear though, the perspective, like your perspective, like not just you, but like everyone's you mean like Marissa's perspective. Of, right. Of yeah. That match? Like yeah. everyone's person and whether she really remembers it or whether she was just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like match. as no. I'm going, yeah. yeah Cause yeah. I told the story a few times, you know? And so, um, it's just always so interesting to hear someone else's perspective on the exact same event that you have in your mind is like this pivotal moment yeah. of one of your tennis like experiences. You never know when that's happening for somebody else. Right. And they're well, either having a huge breakthrough or an or like incredible a, yeah. disaster. Well, and a lot of times you see it different, like you remember it differently because our minds are so warped and weird that we remember Warped. things that are so different than actually might have what happened or yeah. then what they remember and who knows what really happened because nobody videoed stuff back then and so yeah it was like you know it's just left to two people's memory of what happened on the court which could be very very different from each other i think most of the time our memories are like really really bad oh, unless it's sure. something very emotional and then it's really really bad because we are really emotional about it we assign whatever yeah. feeling yeah. like we, we had to. Yeah. yeah. Which tennis is no exception to that for sure. Oh, totally. Definitely. Um, yeah. But so, now we have video. So yeah, have- going back and cutting, I cut the, the whole, the whole match that Kevin's talking about going back and cutting it. I was like, Oh wow. He was playing terrible. <laughs> and I honestly had no, 
I mean, I knew you were telling me like, oh man, this is bad. And I was like, oh, don't worry, man, you're fine. <laughs> but then watching it again, I was like, wow, he really was playing, <laughs> he really was playing terrible. And I, yeah, I know, like, unless I had seen the video, I probably never would have mm-hmm. actually like believed it or, uh, or realized. It'd be it. interesting to put um, Scott and Nate like actually like sit down the four of you and talk about that match uh, and like, like what actually they thought because they kept saying things that they weren't doing either and whether they knew. It's so like they kept saying like yeah. we're gonna come to the net and then yeah. they never and actually did. Yeah, yeah. It's so and so whether they remember that that's what happened or whether they think of it in a totally. different way. Uh. Because yeah. there's part- so many matches that you play that you're like, oh, this is totally what I was doing. And then you, and you talk you, to somebody and they're yeah, like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, no. it's the opposite, yeah. um, which happens a ton in coaching, too. Yeah. I mean, how many times the kids come off the court and you're like, dude, do you realize this is what was going on? And they have zero idea, Yeah. Um, which you is why video is so important. Like, yeah. yeah. For us, it worked out because I think our combination of my the one thing I did decent that day was serve, and you kind of like were so excited about the net. So it was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I think, it worked out. inconspicuous until like I had to actually hit a ball. And then it was very obvious. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. On that note. <laughs> what, what time is it? I think we've been uh, talking for like an hour. Yeah. Yeah, it was just about. So. If anyone's still listening, we really you, appreciate it. <laughs> still listening, we appreciate it. Next week, and by the way, we're planning on, on doing this weekly. I think Tuesdays is what's going to work best for our schedule. Same bat channel, same bat time. I'm not sure what the editing process is going to be yet. So it might not get published on Tuesdays, but we're going to uh, record every Tuesday with the intensive publishing weekly. So if you have any topics that you'd like, now that you <laughs> <laughs> understand the psychosis that we are all uh, working with if there's any any topics that you'd like us to talk about openly and, and or like debate let us know what those would be uh, you can send an email to ian at essentialtennis.com which actually goes to megan <laughs> and she'll add it to the uh, that could be a conversation right there <laughs> just kidding i read all your emails <laughs> It's okay. Nobody's listening anymore. Um, they shut yeah, it off a long time ago. <laughs> let, us, let us know what topics you'd like us to talk about. Uh, next week for the official episode one, we'll be talking about the underhand serve. That'll be super interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to getting it rolling. What do you think about the underhand serve? Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts? No, I think this is, it's exciting. It'll be yeah, uh, cool. I'm curious, curious to see what happens. Yeah, hopefully one so person the fun will part listen. about what we do. It's like either... It's gonna go viral, or it's gonna nobody's gonna care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, extremes. Yep. Yep. Highs and lows. <laughs> Highs and lows. All right. On that note, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, this we'll be putting this out on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iTunes. I don't know where else. We'll let you know next week. Until then, take care and good luck with your tennis. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>